hear that music, you know that it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball here with Jamie Uretsky on a beautiful day in June of 2019. Yes, the Brewers have taken over the lead in the Central Division, and my good friend Dave Nelson is smiling from up above. And speaking of Dave Nelson on this episode number 20, Famous number 20, so there are a lot of them, and we're going to get to it. But the one that stands out in my memory is none other than that great White Sox pitcher, Joel Horlan. Joel was number 20 for the White Sox in the 61, 62, 63 era, along with Tommy John, who is famous for having the surgery named after him, but also... Famous for wearing number 25, not number 20. And Gary Peters, uh, a friend of mine, and man, what a great guy. But anyway, that needless to say, we're going to come up with a few other 20s because uh, I think number 20 was pretty good, but 20 stands out again for another reason, and that is because my good friend Dave Nelson, who this show is really... Four, although, as you know, a year ago, Nellie passed away from a uh, bout with esophageal cancer. But since this is on the lighter side of baseball, that brings us to a pretty light moment. And that is the Dave Nelson, or as it's called, the Nellie Humanitarian Award or something like that. And that's going to be awarded on... Dave's 75th birthday coming up, and that'll be June 20th at Miller Park. And I plan to be there to shake hands with the recipient of that award, along with lots of other people, including Bob Solis, who is the chairman and chief muckety-muck for Open Arms Home for Children, and... $2,500 gift will be presented to Bob as a result of the contest. And I'm looking forward to meeting uh, the next recipient, the first recipient of the Dave Nelson Humanitarian Award, or the Nelly, as I like to call it. And uh, we're looking forward to the game with the uh, Brewers and the Mets. So that's, uh, that's number one. Number two... This being the 20th episode of On the Lighter Side of Baseball, we're going to be sending this out to anybody and everybody that's listened to it on SoundCloud. So if you get SoundCloud, you know you'll be getting this uh, On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And uh, we haven't figured out how to expand through social media, but I think that day is quickly approaching. So what... Do we have to talk about today because on this day, June 11th, we're going to talk a little bit about the White Sox, 1959, and how they progressed. We're going to talk a little bit about the Black Sox and how they progressed, how the Hall of Famers were doing versus the guys that threw the World Series, Seacott and Joe Jackson and Buck Weaver versus the Eddie Collins of the world and the Red Fabers of the world who actually got into the Hall of Fame and didn't cheat, which I continue to think is a fun deal. We'll continue to follow the David Ortiz shooting 
and his recovery in Boston. We'll continue to talk about the Cubs' lack of offense at key times and how do you go to Coors Field and only get seven or eight hits. Um, As I said before, I saw the sweep of the Cardinals over the weekend at Wrigley Field, and I saw the uh, Rockies play the day before, and i got to tell you, uh, Nolan Arenado's in a league of his own, Mike Trout's in a league of his own, and uh, those two guys are clearly, to me, the best ball players that I've seen in baseball. There were a couple bench-clearing brawls. Uh, we had the Kimbrel signing. We had the Keuchel signing. It sounds like Keuchel might uh, appear before Kimbrel, but I would bet that within another week, so by June 18th, Kimbrel's in the Cubs bullpen, and uh, somebody, one of their other great relievers, is getting sent out. But they need help with hitting. They need help with a left-handed pitcher. They can deal a couple people, including Addison Russell, who I love, but I think Addie's time is limited with the Cubs, Ian Happ, and uh, anybody else. Man, their farm system is so bad. We're going to look at the Padres. We're going to look at Machado and Harper, neither of whom is really doing a lot. We're going to look at the Top five teams and the bottom five teams. The Royals continue to be pathetic. Interestingly, as I was driving back from Chicago yesterday, the score talk radio in Chicago had a couple guys talking about the White Sox and how they beat the Royals two out of three this weekend, which I would yawn and go, big deal. Beating the Royals is tantamount to winning a game against your minor league franchise for exhibition, but those games against the Royals count. And while they were discussing the game, this guy started talking about how he'd rather see the Royals lose than the White Sox win. And that struck a chord with me because it's exactly the way I feel about the Cardinals. I would rather see St. Louis lose than even the Cubs win. When the Cubs win and the Cardinals lose, that's a great day. But this guy was vehement. He hated the Royals. And what's to hate about the Royals? Whit Merrifield? Now, I understand you might not like Ned Yost. I understand that, you know, maybe you're jealous of Sal Perez, but he's hurt. How could anybody hate the Royals? They're not hateable. I mean, forgetting Ned Yost, who's the worst manager in the history of baseball. And as I said earlier, if they retire that guy's number, I'm done with my season ticket. And other than that, what, do you hate George Brett, Hal McRae, Willie Wilson, Dennis Leonard, Split? Uh, these guys were great. We had to talk about the 1985 World Series team. There wasn't a better team in baseball. Uh, man, oh, man, even though some would argue that they got helped by Don Denkinger winning that World Series, what a great team, great pitching uh, we had an interview with Dick Hauser. Dick told you about how they only had 11 pitchers. Maybe not even that many. They all pitched every day. Now, how often does that happen? Never. Ever. It's, it's a strange sport right now. And it's not getting any quicker unless the umpire 
calls, balls, and strikes quickly, mostly strikes. And as I said before, the players will adapt to that. Hendricks threw a two-hour and 57-minute game, and that's a rarity. Game under three hours is a rarity. And it ended when the Cubs took a 5-1 to one lead into the ninth inning. And uh, so Madden got complacent. Actually, he probably figured that he needed to do this. He needed to bring in Edwards to try to get him to finish the game. It wasn't a safe situation, so Strope sat back down. And so uh, Edwards came in and he's got a four-run lead, trying to shut down the Cardinals, the arch-rival. And what happens, but he walks the first guy. The second guy hits as hard a ball as I've seen hit and I don't know how long. I mean, the dude crushed the ball and Albert Almora made a great play, a great play. And the Cubs were able to then, after another hit or two and a run score, bring in um, Albert or uh, Pedro Stroke. So Stroke came in and got the save because Edwards gave up so many runs, but they were lucky. But my point, getting back to my point, as I wandered aimlessly, trying to confirm that Stroke did get his seventh save of the year that night. Here's the deal. I hate the shift. It's the only thing I have in common with Ned Yost's attitude and opinions. He thinks the shift is horrible and hurts offense in baseball. I agree. There you go, Ned. That's one for you, 25,000 against you. Anyway, so <clears throat> the Cubs shift and put Baez out like a floater in softball. And Carpenter rips a ball to right field, which is a base hit and should have scored a run, making it 5-3. to three. But no, Baez, about 300 feet from home plate, Scoops it up and fires a bullet to Pedro, covering first base, and game over. So, I hate to play, but I love the result. And it was go Cubs go and da-da-da-da-da, and uh, they swept. Interesting. They've played nine games. The home team's won nine games. Cubs have been at home six, six in a row at home at Wrigley against the Cards. Lost three in uh, Bush Stadium. Anyway, that's kind of interesting. The Royals continue to stink badly. Uh, the Orioles sort of badly. Miami, not quite as bad. Detroit, you know, Cincy. There's some bad teams out there. Really, how much rebuilding can we do? The June draft happened. The Cubs signed their number one pick for $2 million, and he took less than what was slotted. So what does that tell you? You like all the other draft choices in the last few years are going to have a hard time making it up here? But you don't know. I mean, I, I don't mean to be negative about the Cubs. Let's talk about food around Wrigley. Number one, Madden opened a Polish-Italian restaurant right in the building that is owned by the Chicago clubs, uh, Cubs and houses their club offices. 
Madden's on the ground floor. You can get in. It's a nice-looking restaurant. We did not go in other than to peer through the door, but I will put that high on my list for pierogies, pizza, and pasta. What a night. That'd be great. We did go to the Wheelhouse Hotel, or maybe it's the Wheelhouse Restaurant at some other hotel, but it's down the street, and it couldn't be more opposite than the Zachary. The Zachary is a hotel Ricketts built adjacent to the conference center that he built where Madden's restaurant is. And all the fancy places are there, and it's nice. And again, Ricketts has done a great job with uh, providing entertainment, food, and adult beverages around the Wrigley area. But the uh, Wheelhouse Restaurant at whatever, I'll get the name of the hotel, uh, it's great. I mean, it's really uh, very low-key, easy to get into. My friends had a Detroit-style pizza. I had never heard of a Detroit. Who, does anybody really go to Detroit for a pizza? I mean, what is a Detroit? The best I could tell, you know, St. Louis pizza sucks, but that's got like American cheese on it. That's no good. Now, they do have good food It's at Bush Stadium, so I'm not totally bagging on the Cardinals, although I am rooting for the Bruins tomorrow night. Um, so this Detroit-style pizza had like the, the, it was a loaf of bread with some pepperoni and a little bit of marinara sauce on top. Bread, thick bread. Now, if that's Detroit pizza, I don't really want any part of it, but I think that's what the menu said. And... Uh, my other buddy got a Caesar salad with chicken, which is like as boring as anybody could get before a baseball game. I had a uh, really good burger. I'd put it in my top 50. And uh, it had very crisp, burned bacon, Newski's bacon. Boy, wouldn't we like to be the proud sponsor of Newski's? It'd be like uh, almost as good as Bob Uecker and his uh, sponsorship with the... Uh, a sausage company up there, not uh, not Johnsonville, but the other brewer's sausage that they threw out of the ballpark, which is kind of crummy for Bob, but uh, he still pitches for the name of that sausage escapes me right now, but I'm getting older and I forget. At any rate, um, the burger was really good, and it's a good alternative. I like deuces and diamonds. So, I mean, if, if someone from out of town is going to take a trip to Wrigley, uh, here's here's what I would suggest doing. Come down to the Gold Coast and have a drink with me in uh, our condo. And then head over to Tavern on Rush for a little pregame, just a early mid-morning after Bloody Mary's. Go over there and have a little brunch. Get on the red line and go to... Either the Dark Horse or Murphy's. I guess everybody's got to go to Murphy's. Have a pregame pop at Murphy's. And then after the game, let the crowds die down and head over to maybe Deuces and Diamonds or have dinner at Madden's if you can get a reservation or a drink on the second level of Mordecai's, named after Three Finger Mordecai Brown. Um, In the Wheels Up, which is about a block away from Wrigley in an old building, which is nice. You know, that new building is not my favorite. The new building has Harley Davidson. Now come to Wrigleyville for a Harley tour. 
It's got a um, Shake Shack, which is trendy. It's got two 7-Elevens and a Lucky Strike bowling alley. So I guess on non-game days, it's okay. Don't want to get down on that. But the wheelhouse, old place, downstairs, party room, and pictures of the only double play team to be ever in the Hall of Fame in totality that I know of. And that's a lifelong challenge to any of our listeners to come up with. Who else? Tinkers to Evers to Chance. Great combo, great players, all in the Hall of Fame. What are the odds of that? You know, what are the odds of that? You got Fox Aparicio to nobody. You know, Luke Fonseca, I think he's not in the Hall of Fame. Earl Torgerson, not in the Hall of Fame. Larry Doby should be in the Hall of Fame. Larry Doby should be in the Hall of Fame. Same reasons that Jackie's in the Hall of Fame. Same reason that Roberto's in the Hall of Fame. Jackie, Larry, Roberto. Don't get enough attention. Larry sure doesn't get enough attention. Let's have Larry Doby Day sometime, you know, somewhere other than Cleveland. Um, Earl Torgerson, Ted Klazuski, all great first basemen, and part of that combo from Fox to Aparicio to whoever, not in the Hall of Fame. So what else is a popular hotspot right now? The All-Star Game, eh, who can stuff the most ballots? The home run contest, a little bit in- more interesting this year because there's a million bucks to the winner. Hey, that's pretty good. If a rookie wins, it doubles his uh, starting salary of 500000 You've got uh, a number of free agents to be that are being dangled out there. Will Smith, the lefty the Cubs seem to have interest in. Madison Bumgardner. Again, if the Cubs ever got Bumgardner, I'd sell my season tickets. He's a thug. Don't like him. Probably a nice guy. Very, amb- very good on the field. Um, David Ross was instrumental in helping the Cubs get Kimbrell. That was pretty cool. Jason Hayward was instrumental in helping the Cubs get Kimbrell. I think that's pretty cool. It's like fraternity rush now. Free agents, they get all the the attention from guys that they have some connection with. And then yesterday was the Cubs travel day, and they all, or actually it was Sunday, they all dressed up like John Lester. Uh, The best that I saw was C.J. Edwards. He was stepping out in his cowboy boots plaid shirt, and uh, and 10-gallon hat. That was cool. I like that. And um, other than that, I'm trying to think what else is going on. You know, we're going to have a co-host here soon, as soon as I can get better equipment to have a microphone that works. And uh, we're going to have fun with that. We're going to try to have call-ins. But, you know, first got to get the listening public up above four people. You know, I'm doing all this, and I'm going, man, I wonder what four people are going to listen to this today. But it's great. There's podcast number 18 is one of my favorites. 13 is one of my favorites. One through 10 are good. You know, the last couple have been all right. But right now we're kind of in the ho-hum part of the season, I think. Now, after the All-Star break, there'll be a few trades. That'll be exciting. And I really think once the Cubs finish this road trip against the against – the, uh, Rockies and the Dodgers, they'll be ready to roll. They'll get back to Wrigley, have the Cubs-Sox game. That's going to be good. And then uh, some of the division series will come to town after the Mets. So that's going to be fun. Right now I'm going to take a little break, figure out what else to talk about, and then we'll wrap up Episode 20 on the lighter side of baseball. 
to those of you who are listening, I hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll be in, back from our break in an hour or five hours or five days. We don't know. Yeah, we're back from our break, and it's uh, still the lighter side of baseball, and it's still the same day. That was a quick break. Wanted to look at the 1919 White Sox. That always intrigues me, and compare the players that were crooks to the players that were not crooks. And uh, I think right now the crooks' batting averages are uh, better than the uh, honest guys. So Buck Weaver, through June 11th, was sitting 321. Compared to Honest Eddie Collins, who was hitting 266. Perhaps the greatest player ever, Shoeless Joe, although maybe confused with the arrangements and not really culpable because he probably didn't have the requisite mental capability to form criminal intent, mens rea, as I learned in my first year of law school. Shieldless Joe was batting 309, and then you had Ray Schock, Hall of Famer, batting 277. Red Faber, Hall of Famer, legitimate, who was pitching that day, and on the uh, day before that, you had uh, Williams, who wasn't so honest, who hit. Uh, Pitched, not a bad hitter. Anyway, that's a rundown of the uh, dirty players compared to the good players. I think the uh, amazing thing about Faber, Shock, and Collins is how they were able to maintain their integrity and the integrity of the game while Buck Weaver, Al Seacott, and others gave in to the uh, gamblers all because they weren't getting paid much from Comiskey, but to Comiskey's defense, man, they didn't draw much in those days. 5,000 people for a game? Man, how do you pay them at that point? Which brings me to another kind of amazing stat, and that is attendance in baseball is plummeting. Plummeting. But do they really care? I mean, you look at most of these games, not counting Wrigley, probably not counting Fenway, I can't think of anywhere else that doesn't have more empty seats than full seats. And in spite of that, they announced big attendance numbers because of their season ticket base. But the Royals, man, they play before more empty seats than anybody. But, I mean, every game I watch on TV, they try not to pan into the upper deck, but, man, it's empty. It's the Dodgers, it's the Giants, it's the Pirates, the Reds, you name it. Unless they're playing the Cubs, plays is empty. Or the Yankees or the Red Sox. Now, I haven't looked at who's in first place for attendance on the road, but it's usually the Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox, Angels because of Mike Trout, although with him playing on the West Coast, does anybody really know? Anyway, the attendance is down. Games are getting longer. They bore people like me, major fans, and, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. So what I think is going to be fun for the next couple of weeks is following the potential trade markets leading up to the July 31 deadline, which is new this year, before 
you could still have the uh, waiver trading period be up until September 1st to put your roster together for the playoffs, but not anymore. July 31st is it. So teams are going to have to, you know what, or get off the pot by June, July 31st. And uh, that includes Baumgartner maybe because, you know, the <clears throat> funny thing is until two teams are interested, one team interested in your guy doesn't do much for you. You're not going to have a bidding war for Baumgartner. If they want too much, then wait until a year from now and you got nothing. Zero. So we'll have a list of free agents probably. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the uh, – shift we'll talk about the all-star game the home run derby coming up in uh, the middle of july uh so july figures to be pretty interesting june right now is kind of like okay and uh and so we'll get back to that but an update and nobody's really talking too much and i can understand the privacy for one david ortiz and his family and the red sox nation uh he had a second surgery in boston he's stable He's going to be in intensive care for a while. Nobody's talking about whether he's paralyzed, and we can all pray that he's not. I uh, think people have kind of uh, danced around that subject, so hopefully I'm reading more into the injury in the back than uh, I should be. But um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the surprises in terms of the... um, surprisingly good teams who who would be a surprisingly good team I think the Braves continuing to play good baseball are a surprise to me uh, the Dodgers with the, the the amount of their lead is a surprise the Nationals suck how Rizzo had, now there's rumor that Scherzer's on the trade block <laughs> I mean that guy Rizzo ought to be fired and and like a, three years ago. Um, another surprising team in the American League, Tampa Bay. They continue to hold their own, man, 41-24. and 24. Um, Minnesota, big lead. Houston, not surprising. But the best record in baseball, the Dodgers and the Astros are virtually identically tied. The worst record in baseball... The Orioles battle the or- the Royals. I mean, the Orioles' run differential is 124 negative in the hole. The Dodgers' run differential is a buck seven up. That's the highest, except for the Twins. They're 112. Uh, that's fascinating. We'll get into whip. We'll get into runs. We'll justify my earlier um areas that I like to focus in on. But right now, it's just kind of a maze that Tampa Bay is doing so well. I'll have to get a hold of my good friend Dwayne Stats and see if we can't do a little bit of a podcast together. I'm looking forward to June 20th in Milwaukee, getting back together with Craig Kashan to do a podcast because that was fun. And then this summer, I'll do podcasts with uh, some of the people in my family just to kind of hang out with them. And I'll try to get on social media so that more people than just um, Huey, Louie, and Dewey get the word. But our best goes out to David Ortiz and his family uh, and uh, to the teams that are doing well and spending money. 
the Cubs, they're going to get $90 million extra on their streaming Chicago next year. Nobody's too happy about that. One of the big controversies in Chicago this weekend was one of the Ricketts family hosting a Republican fundraiser starring the president's chief of staff, Nick Mulvaney. Uh, there are reporters that said they would no longer back the Cubs because of the RNC being there. I don't know. I mean, the Ricketts family is about as diverse as you can be. Laura backs the Democrats. Todd backs Trump. One brother's the Republican governor of Nebraska. And the dad's a wacko Sinclair fan that you know, he's as far right as you can get with his pack. And then there's Tom Ricketts, the real operator of the Cubs. And I'd like not to mix politics, so I'm not going to. At any rate, um, that's about all I can think of to talk about today. I'm going to try to uh, get to three or four games in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try to get some good food at Miller Park, soon to be some insurance company park, American States Park, American Family, one of the two. I think it's American, AmFam. Uh, so you got AmFam and guaranteed rates, and who knows what else you can sell. You know, maybe they can sell their, well, they do sell their jerseys every day. I don't know. It's uh, it's becoming harder and harder for us old people to really get our bearing in baseball, but uh, we'll do it. So, uh, not to depress you, because this is the lighter side of baseball. I wish I knew a baseball joke. I don't. Nothing too funny has happened lately. When it does, MLB Network seems to cover it. And so I'll let them continue to do that. But I'm on the lighter side of baseball. I'm on the side of baseball that's trying to make it fun and interesting. I obviously favor the Cubs in a lot of this conversation. Next time, we'll talk more about the Padres and Machado and who they're looking for with the trade market. The Padres are doing pretty well. They're a uh, surprise team. We'll talk about the Brewers and Yelich, who's just as hot as anybody, and my man Mike Mutakis, uh, Hosmer. All these guys the Royals gave away are doing good, you know? Giveaway baseball is ridiculous. The Diamondbacks are guilty of it. The Marlins are the worst at it. The Royals are right there with it. You know, if you can't keep... Hosmer, Gordon, Musakas, Perez, and go out and get some good pitching, not Ian Kennedy, and sell the team, Mr. Glass. Sell the team. You know, the same goes for Jeter in Florida. Um, come on. And and the guy, in, the lawyer, in, in, uh, the labor lawyer in all Baltimore. Pathetic. Very pathetic. But that's just my opinion. So, speed up the game, make it more interesting, get the uh, time of the game down, get the attendance up, and uh, lower the souvenir, lower the friggin' prices for tickets, lower the prices for uh, beverages and food out there, and get some good local food, man. The uh, ballpark food is going, dropping off the map, unless it's sports service. So, I'd like to say this scheme. Or this podcast is brought to you by Sports Service, but I can't because we're not brought to you by Sports Service yet. But I'm going to call my buddy and see if we can't be. Anyway, that said, I'm going to try to figure out how to boost this pop, the circulation. 
and uh, the listening audience. And uh, we'll try to get some guests that are interesting. So for the time being, this is Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of baseball wishing you a great day. Go out there and make something happen on the golf course.